Are you listening, Audible? Yes. Audible, can you hear me? This is uh, this is where our sponsors are gonna come in if we had any. But until then, yes. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm Norma, and here's our special guest. Yes. Hello, uh, David Nando Rogers. Hi. Any relation to Richard? None whatsoever. No. Nope. Damn it. <laughs> um, okay, so we met David because. We were we went to see King and I at Lincoln Center and he was sitting next to us and we were so excited during intermission he just like turned to us and started talking to us and you know how like theater people like to say that theater sponsors community and like makes people like puts people together in a room and like everyone's experiencing the same thing and it's all magical and stuff and then like you go to the theater and you're like no. <laughs> it's just like it's just like it's just like groups of two or three just like whispering to themselves. Yeah. And then if you get to see a show by yourself, as David was in this case, he was just brimming with excitement and luckily he found like people that actually wanted to talk to him because I know that when I go see a show by myself, I'll be like brimming with excitement and I'll look around <coughs> and like people are like avoiding eye contact as if I'm like trying to ask for money. Yeah. As yeah. if I didn't like just wanted to share any experience. Yeah. So like even though this is I think a like what theater is supposed to be about it really really rarely happens sometimes um i think people like to boast and try to like make theater more relevant that way but like i think we should do more of it i'm all for it but (laughs) um, yeah that's another discussion for another day yes so what are we yes i guess Uh, (laughs) sure okay (laughs) um okay so Stephen Adley Gerges won the Pulitzer for best for drama for Between Riverside and Crazy. Norma has a Stephen Adley Gerges obsession, and Norma, I'm going to give you 45 seconds to just go for it. And so play talk. me off when I'm done. Okay. I am so excited. Congratulations, Stephen Adley Gerges. I I've read. <laughs> Every single one of his plays, with the exception of Between Riverside and Crazy, which was the first Stephen Alley Gerges play that I got to see, like, live. Everything else has just been an appreciation for his written word, which we already know, like, when you read a script, it's not the same thing as seeing something live. It's just a blueprint. So just to appreciate his blueprints, and thank you, Pulitzer Board, for, like, appreciating his blueprints, too, because that show is fantastic. And I just love everything. If you can look at our website, lettersfromthemez.com, and look at our Stephen Adley Gerges tag. Um, I reviewed I reviewed uh, Between Riverside and Crazy, and I've also written a whole post about like why his plays in general are the bee's knees. And I see that I have like 10 seconds left. So I will just say that um, I can't wait to see any more shows. Call me. That's it. Yes. I'm out. Call, call Norma. She called it a long time ago. <laughs> and then the last piece of little like news thing that I have that like made the rounds on the internet was <laughs> was that apparently okay so like I don't know about you but I'm really tired of like every night seeing Lin-Manuel <laughs> tweeting selfies with celebrities and stuff and like when I went to see Hamilton there were no freaking celebrities in the audience. When I saw Between Riverside and Crazy, I saw three celebrities. I saw Ted Danson and his wife Mary Steen Virgin. Actually, I saw Mary Steen Virgin in the bathroom and we made awkward eye contact. Or at least I did because I just wanted to get a confirm. I wasn't going to talk to her. I was going to like, I just wanted to get a confirm and a reflection in the bathroom. So I was washing my hands. I tried to look up and she was hiding behind my, behind me, which isn't hard. For all of you listeners who have never seen me, I'm a, you know, 
pleasantly plump Puerto Rican, so it wasn't hard for her to hide behind <laughs> my reflection in the bathroom. But I could tell it was her, and the whole theater was a buzz. They're all hyped, like, oh my god, Ted Danson and Mary Stevens right now. Yeah. And the other one that was there was um, Chris O'Dowd and his wife. Oh. Yeah. I know these selfies. It's like he's trying to be the next Club Coming, but I uh, guess you call it Lounge Lynn. Have you been to Club Coming? I went many times. Really? I, yes, that is I, so I cool. I was front of House of Cabaret. Yes. So he was very welcoming and kind, and I went up there probably once or twice a month. It was always crowded, so I didn't want to overstay my welcome. Uh, hey. Everyone was everyone was going up there. It was crazy and really? fun. Really? Yes. And it was just like a club or it was just this backstage? What it was, was his it? dressing room and it was set up with, it had mood lighting and it had alcohol, thanks to Campari America. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he would play show tunes. He was the DJ. And how long would he be there after a show? Depended on the night. Sometimes one thirty. Sometimes later. It's but like Thursday night. Fuzzy Wasn't it memories. Thursday night. Wednesday night was soup night specifically, and that's when I would I would go. Yeah. Wow. Okay, but it was enjoy. every night he had, like, he open house? He was probably up there every night, but it wasn't open house every night. No, okay. Wednesday night was more of the... Soup night was the idea of the open house to people in the building. Mm. Yeah. Have you people that he knew. Have you touched Emma Stone? No, I did not touch Emma Stone. No, uh -huh. she was there a short time. Very kind girl, though. Aww. She was a rocking person and also an amazing, amazing actress. It was an honor to watch her every day, and I'm so overwhelmed that I get to see somebody act like that all the time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't wait to see her do something that she's originating. Like, they're bringing her in as top billing, like, yes. for her fame. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sad. I mean, Sarah's, like, a big, she loves the Stone with her heart and soul. So, like, I'd already <laughs> seen true. it with um, Queen Michelle, not Queen Michelle, Destiny Child, the other one. And, <laughs> I, and I thought she was lovely, but then I was like, I can't see this show again because it was too much of a, an emotional yeah. uh it fucked with my life, it, so I couldn't exactly. see it. Again. I couldn't see it again with Emma Stone as much as I'd want. I would have wanted to. Yeah. I, I saw her do it, it 103 times, including her dress rehearsal. Are you a glutton and for she, punishment? No, she, yep, because <laughs> she was never anything less than 100% giving everything she had, and it was. Yes, <laughs> and that's that. So tell us the story. Oh, so yeah. So yeah. before our detour, we had there's there was an article about okay, so Lin Manuel posted on Twitter something about him being, about this being the first time that he's ever rejected a celebrity from coming backstage and taking selfies with him <gasps> because they, this person was texting during the second act, during the entire second act. And then he like promptly took it off and... Oh, so he deleted the tweet. He deleted the tweet. But of course the internet always remembers. And now... Um, and now people, like, I don't know how... The rumor mill? They're saying it, it was Madonna. Yeah. <gasps> Shocker! And that, he, and that he, like, called her out on it at the end of the show. Like, that they, like by they name? Were doing, well, no, not by name, but they were doing an auction for uh, BCEFA. And, <laughs> and that um, and then he said, like, oh, there's someone in the audience who could afford to give... But she w and was also texting during Act Two or something like that. I don't know. Something like weird happened afterwards. I mean, I, me, I'm very ambivalent toward her. I even had a little side read on her in our premiere episode. Where we talked about feminism and the Heidi Chronicles. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I remember what I say. At, We've like, come full circle. Close to midnight. I'm half tired. Talking about theater. But um, in this case, I mean, in general, I, it's it, it's theater is such an immersive experience. 
you only get to see it once. I mean, even if you're Madonna, you're only probably going to see it once because you're fucking Madonna and you're busy. So you're not going to come back and see it every night. So it, for, for that in itself, it's just inexcusable to be texting throughout a show. Especially since the texting, it, it emits a glow. It's not like you're writing notes or anything. It emits a glow and it's disruptive to other people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, there, I just think there isn't a place uh, for it. Um, throughout the entire show, there's like maybe one text or something that happened that yeah, must be attended to. Time. You know, put that shit under your jacket or your purse <laughs> or whatever, and be try to be as obtrusive as possible. But the whole show, what's as important? The whole show, mm, what like calling our son the n word again on Instagram? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and that is my piece on that. Any, any, thoughts? <laughs> any more thoughts? Um, well, basically know. my job was to make sure that people weren't texting during the show uh-huh. when I was working at Cabaret. Um, <laughs> honestly, there's really, it's never appropriate to even check the time on it because yeah. it just, and I've been on stage, I, I studied acting and I've dealt with people taking out their phones even for a moment. Sarah just got a text, guys, I'm title telling. She did not put her phone on Do Not Disturb. Actually, gonna check if I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> We're a classy podcast. Yes. So yes, you work. So yeah, yeah you, but you, you work. The you you see it, before. The second you see it, you're disrupted. Mm-hmm. And as an audience member too, the second you see it, you're disrupted. I'm. We're in a dark room mm-hmm. where the exposure is on one spot. Although mm-hmm. even if you're in an environmental show, the the, the focus then, and the energy. Imagine you if you're like in the Delacour and you're seeing people right. on their phones in bright ass daylight. Exactly. <laughs> it's terrible. And a lot of time and thought has been put into theater. Isn't just about like the presentation of it. It's also about the energy that you're yep. exchanging, not between not just between each other on stage, but also with your audience. And when you're breaking that down, what happens to the show? It's funny because at a museum, you can tell people don't take photos. Don't do this, don't do that. Please keep your phones off. You know, be respectful of the space. Right. But there seems to be a, uh, a fight sometimes with audience members about that. Yeah. You know? I think I think it also goes to, to that point, you know, museum versus plays versus... Yeah. It, the, well, people just don't have a lot of experience with theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, look at... You, the, don't think, you don't think Madonna goes to the theater all the time? I mean, I mean, if you think about, like, what she is as a celebrity and as a performer, everything's about the phone. Everything is about going to the show, recording the blip on the Instagram, recording the blip on the thing. I'm not saying, I just, I don't know, I just think that someone, and also phones are so pervasive in our culture, mm-hmm. I'm not apologizing for her behavior, I'm just trying to get behind this mindset because it's not just her, it's like a lot of fucking people mm-hmm. and shows just don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. And I think it's just also, like, people have problems not having their phone near them all the time. Yeah. Like, it's really, like, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, for, you know, and for two and a half hours. Yeah, right. and it gets really hard, especially, like, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you, when you're watching a movie, you can pull out your phone. If you're watching shit on your TV, you're in your own house, you can pull out your phone. <coughs> yeah. Theater is, like, the only place, like, it's one of the last, like, places left besides, like, that. Even in church, people pull out their phone. So it's, like, one of the last they places. They haven't been to church in a while. I've seen this. <laughs> I've seen this. Like, it's one of the last few places. Like, no, you have to pay attention. Yeah. You have to, mm-hmm. like, be calm. And I don't know. Like, people. Also, hard. I find if you if you watch something with full presence, it was even like this when I was in school, too, you remember it better. Uh-huh. And you'll have to study less afterward. It's true. Because you really took it in and, and considered what they were doing. You know, you take it from their perspective. It's such a... There was actually a study posted um, a while ago where kids were given the same... It was a Shakespeare play, I think. It was the same. They gave them the play to read, different classes. The play to read, uh, took them out to see it live performance, watched the movie, 
uh, audiobook, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the ones who scored the highest on the test afterward were the ones who saw the play. Wow. Live. Mm. Yeah, it was something. And there's other things that kids, you know, um, gain more empathy by watching theater. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anecdotes about children with various learning disabilities or autism having, like, really, you know, visceral reactions to theater. Theater is, like, one of the most powerful, like, emotionally outforms art forms ever. So, like... You know, people can't handle that. They got text, I guess. I don't know. It's like, it's too much. Too much. It's just like Hamilton. Okay, can we talk? It's Hamilton. It's not like some, like, shitty, like, black ox play that your friend is in a showcase in and was like, please, I need, like, 15 people to sell, like, sell tickets to. Please come and support. And you're like, all right, fine. I have to come and support. And then, you know, it's like, it's not your friend on stage. It's, like, two other people you all know on stage. And it's, like... 8.30 and you're over it so you just like text like where you're gonna meet up after the show I'm not saying this is right either I'm just saying this is fucking Hamilton how did she even get tickets <laughs> like this like I feel like the only people who have tickets are like the people who bought them like months ago or like scalpers I mean right. there's a lot of anyway anyway just move on does Ugh. she have it on her radar I'm enough confused. I mean she's a material girl whatever moving on okay moving on um so yeah so we're here to talk about the king and I uh, guys uh, just the king and I Episode, this is our The King and I extravaganza. Yes, Woo! we are going to, like, rip this play a new asshole, but with love. Like, <laughs> so much like tender. At, like, at a gay, like, an industry. An industry. Right, yeah, an industry. industry kind of standard. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we, we, I think each of us have various different, differing experience with this play, um, I had seen the movie, and my little sister played Lady Tiang in a, a junior high school production. What? <laughs> um, Norma has never. had never seen nothing ever, no? I've None. never seen anything, except I had to learn something wonderful as part of my lessons as a soprano training. Yeah. Like, she only, like, barely knew... Getting to know you, or like, shall we dance? Like I had, I, like, I hummed it to, to know her, you. yeah. And she was like, "Oh, that's in the show, right?" And I was like, "Yes." I mean, um, I'm sorry. No, guys. it's cool. It's cool. It's I'm not. You know what it was? I I just they gave me a lot of West Side Story growing up. The Asian musicals, uh, not so much. But Asian musicals, <laughs> I had to appreciate as I got older. Yeah, and then. So part of the reason why we invited David to come is because he actually seemed to know more than us about it. <laughs> <laughs> so David, tell us about your experience with the show over uh, time. Prior hand, yeah, right? serious. Prior hand. Well, um, so I watched all the Rodgers and Hammerstein movies. I had the collection of all the video cassettes, so I loved the movie a lot. Um, I was also in The King and I as one of his children. I was in a community uh. theater production where we wore where we spray painted. I can't believe it's not butter jars for our little crowns. It was offensive. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it was still the 90s, and we were doing those things, which is crazy. No, cool. Um, and uh, I saw the 1996 Revival's national tour twice, uh, the one that starred Lou Diamond Phillips and Donna Murphy on Broadway, although obviously mm -hmm. I didn't see them. And, um, and I also used to design my own productions of The King and I all the time. What do you do, like, in what way? Uh, I used to, I had, I used to draw a lot, so I used to do a lot of research about different productions of it, and I would come up with my own costume designs and set designs. I used to watch different movies, like the Jodie Foster movie that came out in it, and The King. Oh, yeah. Yes. I used to read excerpts from the source material, so I was, it's, this hasn't been recent, but when I was growing up, I was 
sort of obsessed with The King and I and had different CDs. There's one with Julie Andrews and Ben Kingsley even. With Leah Salonga and Septon with the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra. BRB downloading. Yeah, and Martin Sheen is the voice of the Crawler home. It wasn't a live performance. It was but just recorded. Fascinating. Yeah, it's excellent. So um, I knew a lot about the show going in. And I had already read the Lincoln Center Theater Review, so I came in really excited about what this production would bring to the show. So, yeah, that's my past. My Yay. question, just to piggyback off of that then, so you've had a lot of experience um, imagining this design and reinterpreting yeah. design. What did you think about the set costume line design for this production? Yeah, so well, with this production, I felt like... Just just screw the agenda, Nervous. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck the I'm sorry. agenda. Wait, actually, to be fair, no, to no, be no, fair, no, we're okay. Fair. No, no, no. I want to point out we covered part one. We're skipping part two and we're moving back to part three. So I'm not I'm not throwing oh, you off. Okay, I'm not okay. throwing you off. So um, it was <clears throat> it was like it was the first time I saw the show where it was still grand and big, right. but it wasn't overly ornate. And they had talked about that in their dramaturgical information. Right. And they accomplished that. I really felt like I was at home with this group of people for the first time because of the set and the staging. A lot of things, obviously it's choreographed as a show, but it seemed less perfect. Everything seemed a bit spontaneous. There were a lot of very specific details within the ensemble with their individuality as people. Yes. And actually I read Ben Brantley's review um, yes. uh, the other day because you know, the show opened last week. Mm -hmm. And he pretty much, everything we talked about right after the show and that we'll probably talk about today, he was picking up on a lot of those things as well. And but he was there that day. I think day I'm wondering yes. if probably, Ben Brantley he, had some Harry Potter, like, friend and George ear things. Oh, yeah. He was listening to our conversation. He was indeed, yes. Ben Brantley, curse you again? Yeah, yeah. And um, the cool thing was uh, the costumes, a lot of people likened them to the film ones, especially with Ken Watanabe's. Yeah. He's got the open shirt. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and he's got the shaved head, and someone was like, "Oh, they're making, they're reminding me of Yul Brenner," and I'm getting stuck in that. He might have looked like him, but he totally, for me, melted away all my memories of Yul Brenner. Mm -hmm. Which is not to discount the work of Yul Brenner, but I saw the role in a way I'd never seen it before, which I'm sure we'll get to as we go along. Yeah, but, I mean, well, yeah. no, we're right there. We're going yeah. back to part two, which is the uh, <laughs> the cast. Yeah. And I, the one thing that I thought was cool was, is that. From like I said, I know nothing about the King Nine. I mean, now I do because like I saw the show. But um, like before this, from what I understood, is that he was a very like austere type yes. prior to the, mm -hmm. this production, like That's the traditional, yeah, uh, very legendary, kind of iconic version, stoic, and mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, and I, that's not what we got, and I no, like that. No. I like yeah. that a lot. It's sort of a bit more irony in a way, because it's sort of like usually if he's stoic and really believing everything he says, the sexist stuff, especially, right? Right. Um, and then Anna's like going to be that stereotypical Western savior. Mm -hmm. They're just going to be butting heads. But the king, historically, and even written in the show, is much more intelligent than that. He's clearly mm -hmm. aware that there's something broader than the world, and he's struggling to figure out, well, what are the habits that I have? What am I trying to let go of? But what's still important for my past and culture? And what can I learn and gain from this culture? Right. And um, so there was an irony in terms of his teasing with her that I really liked. They were sort of more in an even playing field. Yes. Um, and additionally, um, because they really embraced this sense of irony and awareness of his, of his uh, sexism, but sexism is too strong a word possibly, but... Lack of a better term. Yeah, the gender roles that he, you know. Yeah, yeah. He there was a, a sense of he really took that with his existential search in his arc of the performance. And mm -hmm. Osabi, I really felt like was existentially searching for answers, both 
through humor and in dramatic moments as well. So that was a very consistent element throughout his whole performance mm -hmm. that was refreshing to see. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I think that you really saw him as a visionary and as like a king who, who is progressive. Mm -hmm. And even, even though, you know, and we can talk about whether this is like forgivable, <laughs> which oh. is like you know, killing women because they're having an affair. But, but, um, but like, other than that, yeah, you, can, you can see. Yeah, and you can see it. And then I felt like it was the first time that I really listened to something wonderful and really, like, understood what she meant. Mm. Like She was amazing, right? Yeah, Ruthie oh, yeah. Ann Miles. Also she, nominated for an Outer Critics Circle yes. Award. Get that award, honey. Please. Because yes. she, she just won that. Okay, okay. So her performance, I just love how it was part pageant queen. Because mm. that's like how she's trained. She's trained to be like one of the best, you know, women of the court. So she has all this grace and elegance and artistry in that regard. And then she's also like a boss ass bitch. Like she's in charge of all the women, she's in charge of all the kids, and and you know, representing the court and also representing her husband, yeah. who is the king. She's like Joan in Mad Men. I don't watch that show, yeah. but I trust. Am I the only I trust. one, you guys? We might have a listener or two somewhere yeah. out there. Hey. Hey guys, we're waving. We love you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, I also really loved, I talked about after we saw the show, but like, in her approach, it's not just an issue of she is she's a duty that she mm -hmm. has a duty, which is true. <laughs> she's, a duty. she's a duty. She is a duty. She's duty free at the airport. But she what she does is that she recognizes that the position that she has um, as you know one of the king's wives is something that's really awesome. Yeah. Like it's awesome to be a part of. Um, that it, it's something wonderful, yeah. not just as a as an honor, as a role, but also just in the domestic life, mm -hmm. in her life that she has with him and raising her yeah. children and, and all, the court. It, it's a wonderful life to have, yeah. personally to her. Political alliance, too. I mean, because mm -hmm. like Every every marriage and polygamy in that culture is about a political alliance. Yes, yeah. yeah, which you can see in the beginning when um, Tuptim is offered as right. tribute. It's a political tribute. Yeah. It's so not just like have this plaything mm -hmm. to do with. He's presenting a woman who speaks English, who has been educated to bring to you as an asset. Right. You know, to your court. Yeah. So even if you don't read the info about about what polygamy meant in that culture, if you just pay attention to how Tuptim is presented to the court and why, yeah. you can start to understand. Oh, well. Lady Tiang, whatever circumstance she has, she is also a political alliance of some kind, educated, so on and so forth, etc. 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 I'm so glad we fit that in. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and and back to Kamatanabe, I was so happy that you mentioned it during the intermission because uh, I was kind of like on the fence about his performance, and then you said like how even though you can't exactly like understand everything that he says sometimes, you like he, he's so expressionate and so charismatic and so like so in the character, mm -hmm. um, and I really liked that. Like I I got to treat Act Two with more. Optimism, oh, I awesome. guess, and happiness. Yeah, yeah, and it was. I mean, yeah. fully. I did struggle. I had to really listen. And yeah, that was likewise. Cool, though. You, I felt like the audience worked harder to listen to the show than they might have otherwise. Yeah. And it was it was worth it. 
he has every other skill that a theatrical actor should have. Though. Yeah, he had amazing physicality, um, physicality presence, his, and his voice—he speaks on voice, so his voice is filling the theater. Oh yeah, his energy. It's just the enunciation sometimes, and I, I bet it will improve as he goes along and gets even more comfortable with yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and what about uh, Kelly O? Kelly O. <laughs> Kelly O. I love you. <laughs> what? Yeah, we just we love you. Well, uh, I felt like it was cool for me to see the part done by someone who she talks. She talked about in an interview. She she hadn't been really exposed to this piece prior. Right. Uh -huh. And um, not just with Ken, but also with her, there were a lot of things I'd never heard said in the way they were said by her throughout the show. Um, I really felt like her performance was, her Anna was a bit, a little self-righteous. She was also mm -hmm. an imperfect hero. Yes. Like the king was. She was also imperfect. Sometimes she felt self-righteous. Yeah. A little uppity about things. Yes. Sometimes right as well, and that was really cool. So um, she wasn't just this exasperated woman. Yeah. And she also had a backbone too. It was really oh, yeah. cool. Her her interaction with the Kralahome when she first uh, when he when she first arrived at Bangkok mm -hmm. was very um, combative, I felt. Like uh, you know, she it's always combative. It's written that way, but it was very physically combative. She was getting in his way, taking things out of his oh, hands. Oh, you mean when they land? When they first land yeah, at yeah. port, yeah. Yeah, and even like, you know, the 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 captain, the ship's captain, mm -hmm. his approach is very, like, old-world, patriarchal. Oh, let me take care of you. You're going to this foreign yeah. king and blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, no, I got this. Yeah, she From the get-go, she's putting all the men of all the nationalities in their place. Yeah. <laughs> that was a consistent thing in her performance. That's totally right. It's a good observation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was, you know, that, you know, set it, put it away. And then, you know, the guy that was, like, part of her past, she's like, no, that's cute, but I have my life here, which is like pretty bold move to make. That was also very clear too. It was like I felt like she's you know she's interested in him, but it wasn't like she really delved into like really being won over by him. She's like, okay, cool, but I'm here. This yeah. is my spot. Yeah, and she has some power in the house as well. She as has. A result, she so. has a right to it, and it's you'd think you know some people may be like, oh, I'm just taking this job because this is all <clears> I've got, <throat> mm -hmm. and maybe if. Like, mm -hmm. this situation would arise and I could have, like, a quote-unquote normal stately life in England. I'd go take it. Yeah. As opposed to, she was like, no, no. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, she yeah, herself with her job. Yeah, like, she's, this is a means for her as well. Just like, you yeah. know, Lady Tiang and stuff. Like, she's do, she's gaining independence by this position and, yeah. you know, demanding her own house and... She knows what's up. She knows, like she, <laughs> she, she's exactly where she wants to be in a way. Um, can, can I bring up the kids? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, well, I thought one of the the this isn't necessarily unprecedented, but one of the more unique things about this production was how much older Prince Tula Longhorn was, uh -huh. um, and it made and to me it just it enlightened his text so much more because that character is combative with Anna like his father is. But there's some, there was so much more weight to it because he was an adolescent with his voice is changed. Is he usually younger? He's usually quite young. And Lewis, her son, is usually quite young as well. They're usually oh. more like 11, 9, oh, wow. uh, maybe uh -huh. up to 12. And these boys seem the like they're 14, In the movie, isn't 15. he a little more older? A little older? He is. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So it's, I wasn't saying it was unprecedented, <laughs> but it really yeah. felt... But it, at least the way it was presented felt more adolescent-like yeah. than previously. It felt less childlike. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but yeah, that kid in the movie is a little bit older. That's yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, I like, I like, did, I did like that. I like as soon as he came out, I was like, oh, look at you, yeah. Rufio. Like he right. could already tell he's gonna. He's <laughs> yeah, he gonna, was like Rufio. <laughs> he was. He like came out, and I was like, oh, yeah, and also 
really tall too. That's Super too. He was tall. really tall too. He was tall, and also his singing voice. I can't wait to see him like grow up and continue to do theater because he had pipes. He with did. his little little duet with um, the the son, I was just yeah. like, oh hello. Which was drug up from older versions of the show. That's was never it really? really done. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. That was such a cute <clears throat> number, and also. Um, another number that usually isn't done sometimes that gets cut was the number with all the wives. And oh, Western about, People Funny. Yeah, yeah. Top of Act 2. Which is so funny because, haha, funny, but I, it, it seems like something that would fit in so well with what's going on. Yeah. I wouldn't see why it would be mm-hmm. normally cut. Yeah, I guess because often it, if it's played too literally, it can be offensive. Mm. And, but this was clearly ironic. Yeah, right. they, they were they were sort of poking fun at the culture because they're like this is ridiculous. I did. Do you notice though that they were wearing some of them were, were wearing like Renaissance collar that was puffs? Hilarious. And, they went like, like straight like two hundred years prior. Yeah, I loved that because of course they wouldn't know. They they don't know specifically what's in fashion. They I, might yeah. even have so like they might even have like Anna's old books and mm-hmm. illustrations. So they're just trying to like. Put yeah. something together in, like, what, a day? Some of their wigs look like Medan Tenardier, end of act, end of name is. <laughs> like, oh. really twisty, twisty yeah, things. Yeah, it totally did. That's it was great. really good. I guess, yeah, I just saw it from, like, I guess, like, Bartlett Sure did such a good job directing it that I would assume that in every production, that's the way the song would be, because yeah. it makes so much sense. Well, sort of like, it's, yeah, sort of like in South Pacific, he's really great about honoring, like, the truth of the text, so he doesn't ever put, like, a crazy position on the show, but he also, when he does a show, I feel like, as a revival, he really thinks about, well, why are we doing it today, mm-hmm. and how is this going to communicate to the people of today? Mm-hmm. So he's thinking about both things at once, which is so important. Do and you have an answer to that question? <laughs> do you, like, do you personally have an answer to that question, like, why King and I is done today? Um, well, I think, like, Yes, because I think when you look at the media and the way we talk about issues happening abroad, we have too many sound bites, and sound bites create too much of a black and white um, engagement with events, even even um, locally too here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And in the King and I, you're dealing with people really trying to delve in that murky gray area. It's um, and trying to take and trying to understand things from another person's perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's why the King and I. And especially this production is so important. And South Pacific sort of had a similar thing as well, mm-hmm. you know, because um, the reason why they conflict with each other, and they do try so hard to understand each other, but sometimes navigating that is, it's not impossible, but it seems impossible. It's very difficult. You know? I mean, even in the scene when she's teaching the children the map of the world, mm-hmm. she shows them the old map, which is, you know, centric to their to their world right. and making, you know, such and such good and such and such bad, and their country is bigger than all the other countries. And then showing right. them... The Western map, which even now we know that that's outdated and that actually right. maps, different maps can show the world in different points of view yeah. and that Europe may not be in the center of the map. Exactly. Like, that was hilarious how that map, it was like, Europe and America, the center, right. everywhere else on the side. Are, yeah, because there are maps where they, like American maps that totally split <laughs> up the Asian mm-hmm. continent. Yeah. You know, so, so it's dead center. So yeah, it's about, you know, engaging with, well, why is, things are not necessarily just fact. Like, facts are always embellished based on the perspective of the culture. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it was just it was just a great because there's all these, there's so many moments of tension mm-hmm. and it never stops. Like there's always like, and they may be not like huge, like like top 10 levels of like tension. <gasps> it might be, oh, we'll get there. You but, were like, on your seat. I loved that. I was freaking out, guys. All right. But then there was like smaller levels of like, you know, little things of like, oh, 
are they, does she have giant legs under her skirt? Why is her skirt so right. big? And there's a lot of things that make, you know, will make them uncomfortable and they just yeah. have to like. When you've done one thing your whole life, how, how can you be expected to quickly jump on board with another? Especially when you can't Google it. Yeah. See, some people look at that map scene and they think of it as like, you know, like you said, like she's the Western savior coming mm -hmm. in and like correcting all this like wrong Asian or like, like primitive stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. she's, and seeing her as like, yeah, like the white woman who fixes everything, like, you know, dangerous minds kind of. But yeah. like, um, <laughs> do you, like, and, and I was kind of, um, I don't know. <laughs> I was a little bit on the fence about that because I felt like here you you didn't, I mean, I could see maybe in, in another production it being the case where there's a lot of, uh, like, Orientalism and, like, exoticizing yeah. and making it seem like they are these foolish little people. But, <laughs> but here it was a lot more nuanced. Um, but I could still see, like, why overall it might, be an issue in right. general. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> well, that's, that's a challenge with any any work that's from a different time period. They always reflect. Mm -hmm. um, they they always reflect or try to counter popular opinions of a, mm -hmm. of a culture. So, but yeah, but so I totally know what you mean. But they did a good job of of trying to find a, a balance mm -hmm. and and making it imperfect. And I think that was sort of like how we said earlier how this Mrs. Anna is an imperfect hero in the show. Yeah. There's yeah. times when, uh, and, and Perfect Hero is such a great phrase to use because there are times when she's doing something, like she's like demanding her house and you see why she's doing it and it's an awesome idea and go you and audience, you know, will root for that. And then there's other moments when she's like intervening for Tup Tim or intervening for so-and-so and it's like, girl, that is not your job. Like, like, if nobody asks for you, like, step away. And it's very uncomfortable, you know? Uh, I don't know. There was a few moments I thought she was going to get bitch slapped. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I was just, like, like uh -huh. because she, that's not what, that's not what her job is. Her yeah. job is to teach the kids and teach the wives. Mm -hmm. That's it. So, they, you know, that imperfect hero. And it's like, I'm not saying what she's doing, she's not indicated by things of what she feels is right. I'm not saying that that uh, moral compass is off or anything. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's, it's that's not her world, and that's mm. that's not, it's not her, she is yeah. not the king. She comes yeah. close, though. Right. <laughs> she does a great yeah. job. On, on the line of, like, the orientalism. <laughs> um, Big word. There, yeah. Um, like, I read in the um, Lincoln Center pamphlet thing, that is very, Lincoln very Center, sidebar, thank you so much for making these that beautiful was awesome. pamphlets. We need more of that. We need this, more of that. In, this, on Broadway. In general, because yeah. yeah. sometimes you, even, like, you don't get information just saying, like, what where the source material was and how mm -hmm. it's being engaged. Like, um, there's there's a couple of shows that are being on Broadway now. They're either reworkings of a previous play mm -hmm. or based on this, and you never get that info, and it's like, I just need, and you, you don't even need a beautifully done magazine like this. Right. Just like a paragraph even would be nice. The yeah, a note yeah. from the producer would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Nothing too overwrought. It's help you sort of get out of just your horizon of expectation and try right. to consider other horizons of expectation besides your own. Just a little bit, mm. just a little bit of context yeah. always helps. You know? Yeah, so it, one of the things that it mentions in the magazine is uh, that, af that the prince... When after becoming king, um, and after uh, Anna published this her memoir, um, he was very disapproving of it. And and when she met him years later, he he told he kind of like renounced her and said, 
Like, why why have you made my people into, like, a laughing stock? Yeah. Um, which, you know, and since you said that you, you read some of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> parts of it. Yeah, so long ago. Though, is, so. It, is it very, like, uh, Western Civ greater than? Uh, I honestly can't or, remember, like, specific things, so yeah. I'm not going to try to comment on the quality of it, uh-huh. but... But it is in her perspective that she 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 sort of reinvented the situation and made herself seem more like an influential savior of the space mm-hmm. for sure. So, so she's with totally a like John Smith Pocahontas. Yeah, 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 very she, like yeah, missionary. She reconstructed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she reconstructed the the myth essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I I feel like I, the show is much more probably hopefully more honoring the people. Yeah. <laughs> this the. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. dead with that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, and then um, also uh, on that note, um, there was like a purposeful um, pulling away of like lush, lushness mm-hmm. in the set and the stage and the costumes and stuff to avoid that Orientalism. Um, Good which, job. Well, yeah, which I mean, <laughs> claps and claps, guys. I mean, even, even doing that, I, it was still like a beautiful production. It's and, like, crazy what you can do it. with like yeah. a couple pillars, some nice lighting, and some flowers in the center. And I was just like, beautiful yeah. courtyard. Mm-hmm. I was stunned by how beautiful it was. And I would look like to, I was as I was watching the show, I was looking to see like why why was it producing this visceral effect in me? Because I could see that it wasn't one hundred, it wasn't one hundred percent, you know this and that and the other. It was these really just subtle touches that created such a beautiful picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, it, yeah. I was surprised to so find out that they usually, that it's usually more ornate and more, but yeah, but I, I guess now looking back on it, I could see like places where they would put some much more like, But by no means they look like, like yeah, grossly deconstructed. No, no offense, not at grossly all. deconstructed musicals. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, because I know that's also a thing. Like, we yeah. have a tight budget. We don't want to make it look boring. So let's make a car out of, like, a frame and some wheels. Ragtime yeah. revival. Oh, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> what? I have, I have, whenever I'm mentioning something, it's because I'm thinking of something else. But, yeah, but this, it still, it still gave off a sense of beauty. I mean, can we talk about the ship? Can we talk about the ship, people? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... We were on the best side for the ship, by the way. Are we yeah. really? Yeah, because the house right side, because if you notice, like, the, the ship, it tilts toward our side. Ah. I feel like if you were too close and on the other sides of it, you would be, like... This. Mm-hmm. Although sightline isn't important in the thrust, it's more about like what what are you experiencing on your side? But exactly. We did get the best angle. House right. House right, guys, <laughs> for that right. sweet sweet ship action mm-hmm. in the top half. But that I mean, talk about like you know impressive staging and set and stuff. Like it, that the ship was the most. It, like it's ironic, I guess, that the ship is the more the most impressive part of the stage, of the set. But um, other than like instead of. Siam and the, yeah. the palace and stuff. Um, yeah. And like I told Norma, this is more ship than the last ship. There, because <laughs> there was there was no there was no ship in the last ship. This is this is more ship than there was. There's not even a ship in the name. And that's there was more ship here. That's trouble in the last ship. Maybe maybe like in center just stole it. They were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were like you can't steal our ship thunder later this season. Basically, yeah. it was like Edith Singh. We're taking the ship. <laughs> I'm, I could see it happening. 
But it, was, yeah. it also, the cool thing about the ship, guys, that it's also, it's not brought in on, like, hydraulics or anything. It's not, like, it's pushed mm. on and, and pulled, it's pushed on and pulled off by people in the back. Yeah. And not by, like, a million men. It's just, like, a couple guys just pushing it and pulling it. Yeah. But somehow, it's a huge structure that looks so impressive and, like, conveys Kelly O'Hara and all her brilliance yes. in her entrance. <laughs> you know, it's just so... It's very overwhelming because it's, like, like, the curtain came up it moved out, and then she, like, appeared out while it's moving, and I was like, what? It was just, like, it was, like, it was, must have been, like, when people saw Titanic for the first time. That's what that ship did to me. I was yes! Like, I was like, whoa, <laughs> visual effects! Yes! James Cameron! Maybe James Cameron had a part of this, because it was, it looked really good, guys. I just, it's just these little, not little, because it was a big ship, but these, these, these simple touches, because it'd be a, it'd be a ship here, it'd be a pillar there. Uh, a Buddha statue there. A Buddha statue there, and it just it, it it really did look cool. Although when they show the thrust stage, you know, filling up and you know going over the orchestra, I always think about the poor orchestras and how like they must be oh, insured yeah. within an inch of their lives because <laughs> God forbid like that thing just. Or if one of them has like claustrophobia or something, that would have been. Yeah, they just gotta keep mess. on swimming through that. Yeah. Tight, tight to be an orchestra. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, other than, I mean, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about was how beautiful the actual theater is. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like I was literally in love in a tingly way. Oh. That, oh. Um, yeah. I mean, just like how, like every, you know, it's the kind of theater where like every seat's a good seat. Um, very spacious, very like. Name dropping. It's the Lincoln Center Theater at the Vivian Beaumont for all you lovely listeners. I need Uh, to go there more often. We need to go there more often. If Um, they were free. What? But we all got link ticks. Link ticks. Yes. Yes. We are we are young people, and if you are young people too, you should look into the Link Ticks program where you can see shows for about thirty dollars yep. in fees. Thirty five and under gets to do this, and you get to purchase your tickets in advance. In advance, yeah. select a day. None of this rush in the rain, praying that you can catch a glimpse of yep. whatever star you may want to see that night. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. We will continue to be there. But you know, there are wonderful initiatives like Link Ticks. Um, thank you, Link Ticks. Yay! Thank you, David. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for I having think, me. I think you elevated our conversation so much. To a whole nother level. We... Well, thank you. It's, thanks for giving me the space to talk to you and geek out. <laughs> geek but... out! Yes. That's why we're here. That's why we're all here. Um, for the love of theater and sweet soprano singing. Um, <laughs> what? No? Okay. Nobody got tingles? Oh, I did. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I lost. I don't think I'm on the same page. Okay. <laughs> She was just, she was already feeling tingly about the theater itself. Yeah, yeah she was, was she was like the theater. So then they were singing. She was like, yeah, but the, that theater though, <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. So, so that was our episode on the King and I extravaganza. If you would like to read more, we uh, have blog posts at our website, lettersfromthemez.com. We do messages in 150 characters or less at our Twitter page, and then we post as funny articles and other such things at our Facebook page. And then, of course, you can always just listen to this episode again if you want. <laughs> yeah, the more views, the better. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>